Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome along to this week's Rugby Pod, brought to you as usual by our good friends at Guinness. Don't forget, uh, we've got our final live show of the season at Flatiron Square on the 29th of May, so check out eventbrite.co.uk for tickets. And a big thanks again to Guinness for their support with that. Goody and Jim are with me as usual. How, how's your week been, guys? How, you've been away to New York, Jimbo. How's that? Guilty. I've had two hours sleep and I'm here for the uh, cause. Do you, do you have two hours sleep? On the plane. Not in the, not in the whole week. <laughs> I was <laughs> well, going to say, hey, it you hero. Uh, mate, New York was class. Uh, with Ben Foden. We're doing a feature on him for Rugby Pass and all things New York rugby. It was brilliant. I absolutely loved it. It was We, were, we got mobbed there when we were together. It was literally like Rob... Uh, Rob by De, no one. No, it was like uh, De Niro and Al Pacino walking down the streets of New York. We were getting absolutely mobbed. <laughs> Look at me. You play ball? Yeah. That's what I was saying you the whole the time. play basketball? You play the basketball? Yeah. And that was it. Just saw New York in a different light. Stayed out in Brooklyn. That was interesting. In the hood. Went to see the young lads. They've got is, a house. Is Brooklyn the hood anymore? I thought it was like the trendy place. Not where we were staying, mate. <laughs> Big John's Diner. Every single morning, we went and had Alsatian. Um, and Alsatian in the bread roll with cheese. How good are American breakfasts? Pancakes with everything, Goody. Yeah. I, I reckon I've put on 3K. Crispy bacon, oh, yeah. maple syrup. Love it. It was good. Went to a game. They had a game against Austin. Yes, Only yesterday. And look where we are now. Around the world in... Seven days. Well, so, no, no, just flying back over the pond. Yeah, exactly. Not, not quite yeah. around the world, but there we go. No, very good time with Ben Foden. He was very transparent on his career and where he is now. Spoke a bit about the SES programme, which was interesting. Um, I would have walked that. Absolutely if I was on there. no chance, Jim. You are the biggest <laughs> fucking dreamer I've ever met in your life. How do you know, mate? Well, your dream, you said you've been training. You don't look like you've been training to I, me. I've been training have you stopped? Have you paused? I paused last week because I didn't have time to go to the gym. Played in two golf days, worked, kids. I, I went to the gym on Sunday, actually. Oh, what did you do? Took the twin swimming. <laughs> and I walked past the gym. I was like, I'll see you next week. Um, and then a couple of dinners last week and up at Wasps on Saturday. Saving your bacon, Jim. I watched that game. Shitting yourself. I actually was. My hands were sweating. Neat arms are heavy. There's vomit on my sweater already. <laughs> Mum's forgetting she's nervous. And my, my palms were sweating. Were you nervous? I, I was very nervous. Matt Carley, for you... What a legend. Mate, he's, got, he's now got Nigel Rose house in Luton. So <laughs> he has done me, he has done me a favour. My, genuinely, because I was going full noise and I will never be making that ridiculous bet again. But I told you, I said at the beginning of the seasons, Harlequins would not make the top four. <laughs> and I'm correct. I, did, I, did I or did I not say Gloucester would make top four? You did. Did I or did I not say that Harlequins wouldn't make top four? You did. Did I say that Wasp would be in a relegation battle? No. Yes, I did. No, you didn't. At no yes, point did you say that. I and did. They, and they haven't been. Uh, but what I did say was Northampton would make the top four. And people may well have laughed. We, need to, we just know what we're talking about, Goody. We do. How we're, relieved are you? Like, genuinely. I, I, was, I was quite relieved. I actually felt quite bad for them at the end, I'll be honest. So that he gives that penalty away, and you're thinking, well, oh, I, my days. He misses it, and then you felt bad. No, you didn't feel bad, Jim. You're a liar. Well, there was a couple of things. I was, I was absolutely. I, I tell you what, I'm raging at. I'm raging at this post rule where you can score a try there. That does me head in. Hey, you meant to defend that. The only, the only way you could defend it is if you were part of the ruck and you lay across it. So the only, if if there is a ruck that close to the base of the post or you know the post protector, someone. You know whether the coaches do it or not. Lie, part be part of the rock, but lie, get your legs or whatever or your belly. I mean, I'd be, 
Get me on there. There's no chance anyone scoring if my special teams. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Bobby post. comes running on. But I get it that you know it is. It is. They've got to change that rule. It's it's ridiculous. It was it was probably a law that was brought in before the post protectors got so big. Um, when actually the post protectors used to be very thin, so it was probably on the same line pretty much as the goal line. Now there's a yard difference or half a yard difference because of the depth and the size of the advertising post protectors now. So yeah, it's you've got to take it out. Or I don't know what they got to do about it. I don't know, but I was watching it. So Danny Kerr scores that try, and the, literally there is momentum all the way with Quinn. So I'm thinking, here we go, and I'm watching it in a cafe. Sweating. In New York, oh, well, I was sweating. I was out the night before, absolutely <laughs> dying. Anxiety, beer fear levels were high. And I was thinking, oh, my word, they're going to win this. And then they obviously get the penalty win halfway. And I actually thought he was going to kick to touch because their, their driving more was so good. And then Lang's taking it on halfway, trying to move it forward. And then the ref, he knew there was Nigel's house in it. If a big call came, he's decided to go all in, taking the house and moved him back. And he has missed the kick by a midges ball there, hasn't he? He's literally missed it. By Midgey's ball hair. And if you're Quinns, I haven't heard too many people complain about it, but if you're Quinns, the actual penalty was bang on the halfway line. It was uh, Kunitani. How good is he? He's, I, I don't know year. why. He's amazing. I, I mean, uh, Guzzi, should have, for me, should have put him in the team earlier in the season. But anyway, Kunitani's made the tackle. Collier's gone over the top on the halfway line. The penalty is, for me, slap bang on the halfway line, in which... If he puts the ball down on the halfway line, I th- I've got a feeling that goes over. Yeah, but it, the one yard difference, and I, you know, I remember kicking at the Rico. Didn't miss many, but I remember it was a long kick uh, from the halfway. Did you think he was going to get it when it when it? I don't know because it was yeah, uh, probably yes because I just you know I, I don't know Langy's range. It's not someone that I watch kick regularly. You know, you know, you kind of know each. But Marcus Smith, you'd probably say no, he hasn't got the legs in him because I've seen him kick regularly. But Langy's quite a big lad, isn't he? Um, so I'm thinking he, yeah, he's got this. And at the time I'm watching it. I've got uh, understanding the other games. Bath were losing, and I'm thinking, little part of me would love to see Marla's face tattooed on Jim's ass. But the majority of me, the m- biggest part of me, wanted Wasps to obviously win that to finish, would have finished seventh because Bath were losing at the time. And then if La Rochelle finished in the top six in France, Wasps would have got Champions Cup rugby next year. But they didn't because Bath got the try in the last minute. It just shows how amazing the Premiership is this year. Here's one for you. How bad is it that Wasps didn't make Champions Cup? Uh, yeah, it is, and it's you know they've only got themselves to blame in terms of their form. You know, minute details, uh, and every team could say this in the Premiership this year because there are games that they should have won that they didn't win. Um, the biggest one: Bath are in the Champions Cup. Wasps aren't in the Champions Cup. You go back a couple of weeks, fifteen minutes to go away at Bath. Wasps had a ten-point lead, I think it was, yeah. and then they lose the game and give away you know the points in that, and Bath get a bonus point victory at the end. And that's at small margins of the difference across the whole Premiership this year. The big one for me was when uh, Wasps played at Leicester. And Biello's try was disallowed. Yeah, that's another the last one. Play. Yeah. That, that was the, the kind of point for me where I thought, what's saying? Got the rub of the green. Yeah. If they underperformed, do you think? Yeah, they have. Uh, I mean, listen, let's make no bones about it. They've had injuries, as every team has, but they've had crucial injuries. The, the most crucial one for me, Jimmy Gopeth. Um, you know, a lot of pressure has been put on uh, Lima Sopawanga's shoulders. He's come over as an All Black, you know, and played a, a fair bit of All Blacks rugby as well with, you know, someone that was replacing Danny Cipriani. Um, so a lot of pressure on his shoulders that. He's had to go in and, and manage off the straight off the back of a Super Rugby season. So he's come over straight into a long, long season. And people forget that. You just see the player week to week to week. And you're like, well, he's an all black. He's got to rip it up. But you forget the knock-on effect of playing. He's probably played 18 months solid. And if you had someone like Jimmy Gopeth next to him at 12, week in, week out, uh, who thinks brilliantly, talks brilliantly, knows the Premiership inside out, 
since he's taken my role at Wasps, which I'm not bitter about at all, but he's been brilliant for Wasps, and he's been the key to why Cipriani was so good at Wasps at times. Uh, uh, and I know that from my days as a 10 playing at Leicester, Pat Howard played outside me at 12 and was my brains, my ears, my eyes, my everything. And that's what a decent 12 is to a um, a 10. And, and he would have helped Sopwanger out, no doubt at all. So that was a massive loss. But then we haven't been good enough. We haven't been consistent. We've, you know, some games we were, I thought we were soft in. You know, Launchbury's been out for big parts of the game, uh, of the season. Uh, Tommy Taylor, first choice hooker. Simon McIntyre, first choice loose head prop. Uh, Matt Mullen went halfway through the season as well. And Nathan Hughes has been banned and injured. The, you know, the list goes on, but make no bones about it. That Every team's had those issues, but Wasps just haven't been good enough. And, and Elliot Daly leaving as well. It hasn't looked good from the outside, really, looking at Wasps, has it? Uh, well, it's been it's been a season, it's been the first season that you could look at Wasps for the last five or six years and say they've taken a backward step. Because you go back to 2012-ish where they nearly got relegated. Every Year on year, they've improved and got to... First of all, Champions Cup qualification. Then they made the uh, semi-finals of the Premiership. Then they make the final. Then they make the semi-finals of Europe as well. And this year has been a, 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 a huge drop-off. Yeah. Why been Why been horrible, Goody? I'm what, just being honest, mate. Right? As I am on here, I'm honest. Um, and even though I am a Wasps ambassador, you've got to be honest about it. You can't pull the. You can't beat. You can't beat around the bush. Who's bush? Not Who's Ben Foden's. <laughs> I tell you that. Clean as an absolute whistle. Clean as a whistle. Do you see it? Well, where it should have been, yeah. <laughs> Why, what were you two getting up to? What do you mean? Well, just to, see, to see a man naked. Sunbathing. And what about Quinns? Do you think they've underachieved as well? Oh, no, they've overachieved massively. <laughs> <laughs> um, because he's made a massive difference. Yeah, a huge difference. Like so you, you, think, you think about them. There's two things you can look at Harlequins for. First and foremost, where they were this time last year, Kingston left and they were on free fall. Since Conor O'Shea left, they've been on free fall. There's been, hasn't been a great deal of succession planning there, I don't think. It's been heavily reliant on all their England stars. And every year they get into a position in the premiership and come Six Nations time, there's a massive fall-off. Guzzi's made them this year harder to beat. Their defence is a lot more stringent in, in terms of giving away points and tries. So it was uh, something they were really bad at last year, yeah. wasn't it, the defence? They've got backbone now in the team, um, which some Quinns teams have been known to be soft. And they've openly said that. Joe Marler said that on here himself. But it's the same old, same old for them. They get to you know, Six Nations in a hell of a position. And they were. They were third in the league and clear of fifth by something like 12 or 14 points at one stage. And they've lost six out of the last seven. And they lost um, Nathan Earl as well. He's a, he's, a, he's a big player for them as well. Well, we can speak to a member of the Quinn side uh, from Saturday. Friend of the show, James Hall, was on the line. How are you, mate? How are you, lads? Good, thanks. How are you? Good. Mate, how are you feeling, mate? It must feel pretty weird. The last couple of days for you personally, uh, I should say also, uh, already said it on social media, congratulations on an unbelievable career. But how are you feeling right now at this point? Uh, a little bit weird, mate. Yeah, a little bit uh, a little bit dusty as well. So that's... Um... Oh, two days on it, was it? Oh, uh, yeah, one day. We, we, we sort of, it was a bit of a flat change room after the, uh, after the game. Saturday, it was a bit of a weird feeling, I think. Um, yeah, a little bit of frustrations. Uh, obviously, not only with that game, but... I think you know the games that we'd let slip earlier in the year. I think were probably the ones that we felt that we were a bit, um, you know, we should have been better at. So that's uh, that's probably the frustrating part. We'll come back to the rugs in a minute. So big night Saturday, Super Sunday as well. Yeah, Sunday was good. Fancy dress? Good little hit it. No, that's we're doing that next weekend now. Oh, we had a few uh, a few different permutations of when we when we would finish. So uh, we've uh, we've pushed it till next weekend. Because we've got a we got a sort of like our end of season sort of do next weekend as well, so we're sort of like a double header with that. And what's the what's the fancy dress? Come as James Hall? No, oh. no, no. <laughs> no it's uh, 
I think, what are we doing? You're in, you're in teams of four, so we're doing a bit of pub, pub golf. Nice. I think a bit old school pub golf, so everyone's got a different different team that you're in, a team of four, and everyone's going to come dressed as your characters that you've been assigned. Mate, we'll just yeah. um, we'll touch on the game before we uh, speak about anything else. So it came down to the last kick, kick of the game. What was going through your mind personally, knowing mm. that that literally, that kick and, and how short it went was going to define whether that was the last time you were going to grace the rugby field? Yeah. Were, were, were you thinking that at the time? I probably wasn't. I was just going, please tell me you've got the legs. Please tell me you've got the legs. Because I, I knew that it was about his range. He just needed to hit it sweet and he probably just didn't get enough of it. So, look, going through my head, I was just like, please go over, please go over. I wasn't really more thinking about me personally. It was just so we could win and hopefully get to a semi-final. At that stage, we didn't know. No one on the field knew what was the, what had happened in the Northampton game. So we just knew that we had to win and regardless of what happened there. But, yeah, it was, uh, it was a bit of a deflating moment, I guess, when it when it doesn't go all over and he sort of, as you said, sinks in and goes, well, you know, that, this is it. I'm... Uh, it's all over uh, from here. And then just just looking at that penalty, we've, we've spoken on it before. Matt Carley moves it back a metre uh, for me. The penalty should have been on the halfway line and he, moved, he moves Lange back a, a metre or so, which in the end proved pretty crucial. Did uh, did anyone say anything at the time? Did you notice it or, or is it just something that's been aired after the game? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I haven't even looked, but I, I didn't notice it at the time. I, I was sort of watching Lange and like trying to encourage him to just put it further forward. But uh, <laughs> Matt, Matt, was, Matt was standing over him quite staunchly and he wasn't, he wasn't uh, going to have any of that so I think um, yeah I, I don't really remember where the penalty was given away and I just went on the mark that he said but yeah after the game I haven't looked at it but a couple of people have said that to me that it was um, a little bit back but that it is what it is mate it's um, we should have done things a bit better earlier in the year and earlier in the game we shouldn't be to get to that position so that's the frustrating part I think as a team and what did Guzzi say after the game? Like, so looking at it, and I know we've obviously had a joke about Harlequins and stuff. Is there an air that you guys have maybe overachieved this season in Guzzi's first year in charge, or the expectations were they top four? You know, what's Guzzi said off the back of that and being his first season? Yeah, look, I think he's he's touched on the, the frustrations that everyone feels. You know, like um, there was a, a lot of emotion, I guess, around that. There was a number of guys moving on, a lot of guys that have been. Maybe not, um, you know, regular first team starters, but have been big parts of the club for a long period of time. That are now moving on, so that was sort of, you know, we couldn't feel that we could, you know, send those guys off on the right note. So that was a, a bit of a, a flattening moment as well. But yeah, Gozzi sort of just touched on, you know, this is, we've got to keep getting better for the guys that are staying around, and I, I think and I hope they can do that. You know, we've obviously got a lot of new recruits coming in, probably more so than they've had in, in recent time, definitely for as long as I've. I've been at the club, so look, it's going to be a bit different, certainly around the club next year with, with a lot of new faces, and you know, there's now, I guess we we touched on, we probably caught a few teams on the hop this year early, we, as you said, we people probably didn't expect us to perform as well as we did, and maybe early on we, we overperformed everyone's expectations, but that's certainly not going to happen now, uh, moving into next season, the guys are going to need to make sure that they're, each week they're, um, they're fronting up, and as we can see, the Premiership's just getting tougher and tougher, you know, London Irish obviously recruited very well, coming up from the champs, so it's going to be uh, an even, t- even tougher league next year. And then talking about you, obviously, um, coming into retirement, you, you compare him where the club's been at to where it is now, and obviously we think Guzzi's had a huge impact on on the club in a positive effect and you've seen that on the field but for you to go through the season you have and finishing how you have at the end of the season playing and playing well were you not tempted to go for one more year? No mate I think it's 
not not really. I, I sort of felt that I remember. I don't actually know, remember the coach. I think it was a rugby league coach, Wayne Bennett, sort of said, uh, "You better to retire a year early than a year late." And that's sort of the way I looked at it. I, I, I'd had a lot of injuries at the start of the season. It was very frustrating, and I just mentally probably couldn't feel that if I if I picked up another few injuries, I, I don't think I could give it the effort that was required to get back and get playing and playing to the level I want to play at. So I was. Uh, I felt it was better to go out. Uh, on my own terms and, and I can walk out whereas um, you know I feel I've been very lucky to be able to do that whereas you know there's a lot of guys that unfortunately get the decision made for them and yeah, you know, I, I just felt that it was the time was right for me to move on and do something different What's next for you then? Have you got that mapped out? Have you got any ideas? Yeah it's coming it's coming to uh uh, a bit clearer as the weeks go on. I hope we do a, do a bit more study um, here in the UK. So I'm, I'm hopefully going to either Oxford or Cambridge. Oh yes. Uh, to do uh, to do like an MBA or an executive MBA. Um, so I'm just waiting to finalise those sort of things as in the, over the coming weeks. And um, yeah, so I might strap the boots back on for a, for a varsity match later in the year. Oh, I might do that as well. I might go to Oxford or Cambridge. No, no, it, Jim, you have what? to be intelligent to do that. That's I do. Yeah. I okay. Mean. <laughs> oh. um, I'm. Th- I bet you're loving Freshers Week. The lot just battering students. This is so smart. This <laughs> is amazing. Yeah. So sort of going back to the future to finish off, mate, where it all started. Back playing uni rugby on Wednesday nights and um, you know hanging around with 18, 19 year olds, sort of living vicariously through them. Yes, mate. That's the spirit, mate. I'm keen, mate. We've we've got to touch on Australia. The World Cup's obviously coming up. And we've got to ask about it because it's all in the media now around the kind of yeah. Falau situation. So how do you think that's affected the team? And I know you're probably still close to a few of the guys in that, the whole saga surrounding him. How's that affected the well, Australian look, team? Well, I think it's just been a distraction. I think probably the good thing around the Australians is they haven't been playing uh, this period of time. So I know they're together this weekend. I think they've got a pre-World Cup camp. The, you know, Czech's got, a, I think, about 50 guys at this weekend, just gone. So... Look, it is, you'd be lying to say if it wasn't a distraction. It's been all over the media. It's obviously been all over the world. It's front back pages of every paper back home. You know, I think there's some, you know, after today, I don't think it's over yet, but it's at least um, over for the, for, the, for the short time. And I think we can move on uh, and start talking about rugby because I think there's been some really good things happening on the field. You know, there's some great young players coming through that are putting their hand up in a World Cup year. Our super teams are performing better than they have and being more competitive than they have in probably the last four or five years consistently across the four. And it shows that probably it was the right move to remove a, a team from the comp and only have have four professional teams in Super Rugby. So I think that's a positive that the the game can look at. So I think yeah, it's definitely been a distraction. And you know I think it's now that it's done and we can people can move on and. But as I said, I don't know if we've heard the last of it. I think there might be uh, a few more twists to come, just reading between the lines of, of what's going on back yeah, home. Yeah, I think there's be a big court case coming. But anyway, on a more positive yeah. note on the rugby field Australia, let's talk about big Willie, little Willie Skelton, um, <laughs> a man that you've played with and alongside. Uh, how well has he played? Is, do you reckon he's got a shout for the World Cup? Will he Will he go back? Will he be allowed to oh, with the laws, etc.? I don't know. They should try and get him back. He's been playing outstanding, I think. Um, I think Saracens has got to be credited for the way that they've allowed him to sort of fit the system. They haven't tried to make him do anything different. They've played, they're wanting him to play to his strengths. And, you know, he carries so well, he's offloads. He's a, he's a real handful for defenders. Um, he's not required to do too much else. He's, he's in the best shape I've ever seen him in. And look, I think, I'm sure Czech has been on the phone and over here visiting him, trying to convince him to get back. I mean, you probably have to ask, uh, have to ask Willie if he's going to go back. But I know from when we played him earlier in the year, they, uh, he's very happy at Saracens and uh, I did take a fair bit, I, I imagine, to to get him to leave. James, you're uh, um, you're a big fan of 
Quade Cooper both on and off the field and there's chat of him maybe coming over to Quinn's. Have you got any involvement in that or know anything about that? No, Sandy, bro. I, he's hey, he's I, adding value. Yeah. Uh, mate, I haven't heard it. I've heard the, the rumours. I haven't uh, spoken to Quade. He, he did ask uh, about Quinn's a bit when I was home in the summer. Oh. Uh, about what it was like, but he didn't. I don't think it's gone further than that. But other than that, I've had no dealings with, with that other than he... We had a chat about the premiership and what it was like, but he would be an asset to to any team. I think he played for me. He suit. Uh, you certainly see the way he's helped the Rebels attack this year, um, and I think he'd be an asset. You know, it'd be exciting to see him in the premiership. So I'm not sure. I don't know anything more than what's been written as rumours. As we were looking for another, well, Queens were looking for another ten. So yeah, that's all. That's all I know. Yeah, what, you, what you're saying is he, he signed a three-year deal post World Cup. <laughs> I, I get it, mate. I get it. All right, James. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Congratulations on a, an amazing career. Best of luck with the pub golf and the university. Yeah, <laughs> yeah cheers, mate. Have awesome. a career. Enjoy, yeah. enjoy the lash. Yeah, we will do. Cheers, boys. Cheers, cheers mate. Good on you, mate. <laughs> Top lad. Good I'll lad. say it first. Top lad. <laughs> uh, he's been great. He's come on the live show. He's come on the pod. Been on patreon.com forward slash the rugby pod. There we go, mate. Nice, He's a boom. proper bloke. Mate, he's a, he's, a, he's a proper rugby bloke, isn't he? Um, and again... It's easy to say everyone that comes on here, good lad. I can't speak highly enough of him as a player, having played against him. Would you have put him into next week? Or? Oh, we were pretty matched, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, he was a good player. And it's one of them where you look at Australians that come over to the Prem, not many of them do well, especially up front. Now, he changed the mould, I think. You know, he's a proper, proper second row. Hard boy. Um, the way that, you know, you listen to the way that Paul Gustav speaks about him. You see his involvement around the team. Mate, he's a hard bloke. Uh, so it doesn't seem like it's over. Smart, Oxford, Cambridge. Nice, a bit of a swan song. Not a bad way to, to go. But, mate, he'll be sweet, isn't he? You know, his credibility back home, his credibility here now. So, welcome to the other side, old James. It is the other side. It is well, the other it? side, yeah. As you're off, swanning off to New York. Where else you been? It's New not York, glory. Hong Kong, Singapore, Singapore Italy. Yeah. I'm off to Brazilian. Uh, Brazil, sorry. <laughs> sorry, that's news. I've got New York in my head. Why is the association with New York and Brazilian? I don't even know. Oh, dear, Jim. What well, did you do? Um, you, I don't know. What, what did you what do? What have you got to admit? I love my wife. I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought you said you were signing there on half a million dollars. Oh, there. mate, there's no money. There's no fucking money. Give me the money. There's no money in New York. So, of course, uh, Quinn's getting the, um, or losing their spot, their chance in the top four and in, in their place, Northampton. Do you think they're worthy of a top four position? Saints? Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, year on year, the Premiership is all about timing your run to the end of the season. So where, where Quinns have fallen off a cliff in the last six Prem games, Northampton have gone the other way. You know, their form's been great. Okay, they've got 40 points put on them at the weekend down at Exeter. They were 21 all at half time. But there's not many teams that have gone down to Exeter and done well, except for Wasps. <clears throat> but you talk about but it, you, you play, know. You're playing in Romania next year. So um, I'm, I'm not playing. Anyway, and it's interesting, isn't it? So Guzzi starts out this season at Quinns and they start flying. Chris Boyd at Northampton, they started fairly quietly in the Premiership, didn't they? But have got better and better as people have understood him. And I, and I think the difference is the two characters a head coach. So Guzzi is a head coach that is all about detail and thinks outside the box and has put a load of systems in place. You can see how tough they are to beat Quinns. Um, their attack has perhaps slipped off a little bit uh, because he's put, you know, he's made them better organised, if that makes sense. Whereas Boydie, having been coached by him uh, in the Sharks back in the day, 
So from first-hand experience, he's a pretty laid-back coach and he's all about skill development of players and um, you know allowing the players to express themselves. But also tactically, he's taken his time a little bit to understand the premiership maybe um, and implement how he wants the game played on, on his team. And that's more about attack-based rugby for them. So, you know, they've come come good towards the end of the season, um, thoroughly deserve uh, the, the, the fourth spot off the back of their form from sort of February time, I think. Um, well, I remember earlier on in the season, I was like, oh, Northampton are good. They're playing some good ruggers. I think at the time they were 10th. Yeah. Or something ridiculous like that. And it just, again, like, you know, Goody mentioned, just shows you how crazy the Prem's been. But they've had some standout players, haven't they? Rory Hutchinson. Yeah, Ryanak, like you said, at scrum half. Ryanak has been brilliant. Yeah, he, he's up for player of the season, yep. isn't he? Mate, for me, I think he's going to get it. For the reasons that Northampton have now finished in the top four. He's top try scorer in the Premiership yeah. with Denny Solomona. So. And probably meters made as well. Half of them have been from his own try line. <laughs> Intercepts and all that. It's been great. You know, Nairo Voro took a bit of time to get going, but my God, when he gets going. He still needs to trim up a bit. I try think. stopping that beast. He needs to trim up a bit yeah. still. Dan Bigger at 10, you know, he's taken, he took a bit of time to settle in, but then has ripped it up. As well, I think. Um, you know, it's interesting, isn't it? Dylan Hartley. Apparently, he could be back this weekend. He's not had much of a... You wouldn't pick him, though, would you? He's been out for God knows how long. You can't just pick him in a semi might, when he's not might, playing. They might put him on the bench, though. Yeah, maybe. But they've You'll... not missed him, have they? So, you know. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm not, 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 I don't know why you're being horrible. But no, I'm, not. Just, I'm, just, I'm talking up Northampton as a club here. Do they have much of a chance going to Exeter again this weekend? I think, it, I think it'll be closer. But I think that... that I mean, clearly, the, the way that both teams play... Extra have got the edge. Like you, you saw that the weekends put forty points on the team, and Northampton would have been going into that not knowing what would have been happening uh, in Coventry, and so full noise obviously would have been con- deeply concerned in the second half as yeah, well. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. As as Quins were coming back, they probably got a message: "Oh, Ross were twenty four eight up or whatever it was at the time," and Saints would say they were fifteen points down. They're like, oh, "I thought I thought Saints were going to win it." No drums. Quins are losing anyway, and then boom, Quins start coming back. Coaches would have been getting nervous. Messages would have got on, and then Lang misses the kick. You two have both been in a lot of semi-finals. Guilty. What, <laughs> how does this game differ, like preparation-wise, and while you're out in the field from the game in the week uh, that just went Northampton uh, Exeter? Um, well, they've they learned a hell of a lot this week from actually physically playing against Exeter. You can do all the research you want. You can do all the analysis, you know, watching videos of what they do from a line out on the 22 on the left-hand side of the field and the right-hand side scrums here, there and everywhere. But playing against them there and then, you get a feel for it more. I don't think their preparation will change massively because they knew last week it was a shot. They win the game. They guarantee themselves top four. This week, you know, in their camp, they'll be saying, why, why can't we get out there and win? Why not us? Because no one will expect them to win because Exeter are... So good at home. Okay, they lost to Wasps a few weeks ago, but no one's beaten them there bar Wasps in 18 months or something, I don't think. And, uh, you know, we've seen last year's final, Saracens against Exeter, the two favourites. They're the two top teams for all of the season, pretty much. So, yeah, their their preparation will be, discipline will be key because they had two players in the Simbin in the first half and you learn a lot more from getting a feel of playing against a team. But have they got a chance? Of course they have, but... Extra are favourites. I mean, it's one of them. If, if Exeter play well and Northampton play well, Exeter will win the game. They're, they are a better team just in terms of their experience and the fact that they're at home. You know, Goody told me a stat earlier as we're eating our walk-by-walk noodles on the way up. 17%, I think, is the win ratio for away teams in the semi-final. Okay, so you've, you've mentioned like why Exeter would win. What I wanted to, what I want to know is like why, if you're a Saints fan, like what, would, should you be positive about? First Why should half. your hopes be up? Good first half. Ryanak can nick a try from anywhere. Uh, how good was Rory Hutchinson's try not try? 
He went over the trial and he put that little grubber through, caught it with one arm, um, just knocked it on. What an incredible incredible bit of skill because he, he knocked it on. But, I mean, he's a worldy player. They, they can obviously make stuff out of nothing, can't they? We mentioned Reinach there. Now they've got a good, a really good pack that can compete. You know, Big is a fan, fantastic player and it's a one-off game. What are the weather conditions going to be like if it's raining? You know, like them kind of things. And, you know, we spoke about it, didn't we, uh, in the Champions Cup final. It can just be one thing, can't it? It can be an instant off the ball. It could be a yellow card, like you mentioned Northampton with the two yellow cards. It can be stuff like that that can change the game. And these are one-off games, aren't they? And Northampton got big game players. Yeah. You yeah. Know, I mean, Naravara on the wing could make anything happen, couldn't he? Collins on the other wing, massively underrated, I think. Um, he can make things happen. Hutchinson at 13. You know, I I had a man crush on him back in January, didn't I? He's losing hair by the day now, so oh, he, I can't see it. He is. Robocop. I'm talking about as a player, though, as it was. Oh, okay. And, he, you know, he's been a revelation. You know, Reinach at, at nine and, and Bigger at ten. They're, they're quality acts. So they can. Of course they can win it. But Exeter, they've got Simmons back on the bench at, in the back row to add a bit of firepower at times. Yeah, their power game's strong, isn't well, it? And that's the thing. It's almost undefendable. When they get their power game going and they hold on to ball and then they're five metres out, you can analyse as much as you want to. It, you know, it just comes down to not law, laws of averages because they're probably the same size in terms of packs, but it becomes impossible to defend. Mm. And you, you compare it to the Champions Cup final, which was Leinster a attacking outfit that likes to chuck the ball around a bit at times against a very powerful Saracens team. If you're Leinster and you don't take those two or three opportunities that you have, and you had, the power game just wins all day long. It's, you know, it's extra to lose, but Northampton all think, why can't it be them? Do Gloucester have a hope in hell against the European champions? I don't think they do, unfortunately. Um, like Goody said, I can go down the line of saying, oh, of course they've, they've got a chance, but I think you look at the momentum, Saracens, we've spoken about it, we'll keep banging the slipper over them. Champions Cup, you know, the momentum of the team, they send a second slash third team down to Worcester uh, and nearly win the game if it wasn't for a, a last kick by microphone head Duncan Weir. I just think that having this week off in between the kind of final, obviously the Worcester down week, these are the massive two weeks for this team. And if they play at 90% of their capabilities, they'll beat Gloucester. Gloucester are a fantastic team. Absolutely love them. You know, I, I was captain there, guilty. And How are you captain? I have no idea. I mean, our ship I have no been. idea. Maybe we had a great year as well that year. And they've got some wicked players, like the South African contingent they've got. Creel, Ackerman, uh, Mostar in the second row with Slates, um, you know, Balmain at tight head, Cipriani, as we know, Atkinson at 12. Atkinson, I love it. I think he's a quality. Exactly. Woodward at 15. They have got fantastic players, but they've now found themselves, I think, I think still there's been games this season where Gloucester have been a bit frustrating. Uh, I mean, what, what a game at the weekend against Sale, by the way. Some of the, the tries in that. Solomonas. How good yeah, was that? Yeah. Um, I think Cipriani's come out and said before he hates playing on that 4G pitch. I don't know when the last time Gloucester beat Saracens at Allianz Park was. I don't, I don't know if I they don't have. Think they ever have. I don't think they ever have. On the flip side of that, at King's Home, um, they've got a good record against Saracens, but it's going to be incredibly tough for Gloucester. I, I, I don't think they've overachieved this season either. I thought they were going to be top four. Ackerman's brilliant, yeah. but they've now found themselves in this position where Saracens can play in semi-finals and finals now with their eyes closed. Yeah. Um, the one thing I go back to, and, and Saracens remember things, Saracens actually enjoy other teams not liking their success, don't they? They thrive on it a bit. Now, you go back to the Six Nations when Saracens were obviously missing a fair few of the players. They go down to Gloucester, I think it was a Friday night game, and all the shed are cheering as Gloucester are winning. 
can we play you every week to the Saracens boys. Now, I don't know whether they'll ever remember that, but I'm sure someone at the club will have reminded them of that game and the fact they have beaten them the last few years at Kingsham, haven't they? Yeah, there's, um, a, there's a big respect yeah. for, for Gloucester Saracens. They yeah. know that the Gloucester are a good team. You know, the Humphreys, you know, David Humphreys being the coach and Mark McCall, they work together at Ulster. So yeah, There's a lot of subplots, but you, you, the, 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 the battle's going to be, can you stop the Saracens power game now? If there's a team that's on form that can do it, for me, outside of Exeter, it's Gloucester because you look at, like Jim said, the back row, Ben Morgan at eight, Creel at open side. I didn't even mention Morgan. Um, and Ackerman. They are hard boys, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, Slater and Moster, they're going to want to mix it with them. Um, and they will be able to at times, but I just don't think they'll be able to do it for 80 minutes uh, to seal a win away from home. And they have got, you know, Cipriani can pull a rabbit out of the hat at, at fly half and... As we said, Atkinson, I think, is a really quality operator at uh, at 12, 12 trees at 13. Have they got enough? It's For me, it's Saracens all day long. Gloucester changed the way they play when they play Saracens as well. They bring a kicking game. And I remember speaking to a couple of the, the players and the coaches after. So when they play the Kings, they play this kick. So they almost play unlike the way that, that Gloucester play. And they make sure they try and get their kicking game right. Big Willie, little Willie Hines at, at scrum half with the box kicks and stuff. And Hell of a I, bush. I just, not on his head. I could imagine. Um, I just don't think that they've got that that kind of kicking game to to live with Saracens, which they'll want to implement because they know if they keep running the ball and playing this loose game, they're going to go up Mags Galley, and uh, that's what Saracens will want. The, the other thing with it is both of their starting teams have been rested last week, haven't they? Saracens rested all the big dogs, as did uh, Gloucester, Barr, maybe Thorley. And Banahan, dependent on whether he plays on the other ding ling ling But um, they sent the Shags up to sail and did well. So both teams will be primed and ready to go at each other, full of energy, full of noise, full of... Goo. So can you take Match out of that loss to sail? Um, they can score tries, can't they? I, I don't think they'll be too fussed about it. Will they analyse it? Yeah, of course, they'll do a bit of analysis. But for them, this team... And it is interesting, actually, that have prepared for the game... That, that starting team would have been already looking ahead to, to the semi-finals. So they've done a lot of preparation on Saracens. Uh, you've got a two-week build-up into the game. But it's all about stopping Saracens at the game line or as close to it as possible, which is bloody hard. Does that mean Sale uh, in the Champions Cup next year? Not yet. They need La Rochelle uh, to finish in the top six. Quite a complicated way. Da Vinci Code. It's bloody hard, It's the <laughs> Da Vinci Code. So, yeah. So, Sale need La Rochelle to finish in the top six. Uh, then they get the seventh spot. Right. If that makes sense. And Bath secured their spot uh, in sixth uh, for next season for Champions Cup uh, with a late try to win 32-31 at Welford Road. Did you watch that? Uh, I did see clips of it. Uh, Rhys Priestland knocks the conversion over to win it. Um, but yeah, you know, Leicester, they'll be glad to see the end of the season. But Bath, it's an interesting one, Bath, actually, because obviously Todd Blackadder is leaving. Toby Booth's leaving. Darren Edwards is leaving. New coach is coming in. And, uh, Neil Hatley's coming back from England post-World Cup. Stuart Hooper's taken over as, as DOR a year earlier than they said um, he would be. I think that's a massive risk. I think they're a bit of a mess, Bath. Um, you know, the owner... And it's the problem when you've got an owner that, you know, has got a load of cash um, and chops and changes his mind. Look at the most successful clubs in England. You know, those clubs are built on stability and continuity. And, you know, Bath, uh, like other clubs, chop and change till they think they find the winning formula to compete. Uh, but I think it'll be tough on Bath next year in uh, the Champions Cup and the Premiership. And you've seen sides uh, suffer because of that. And what's left to say about Leicester's season that hasn't already been said? Well, we want to give Matt Smith a shout out. It was his last game yep. for Leicester. Um, Dosser Smith was his dad. Had many a 
Many a cap for Leicester, but my first I, coach he was. Yeah, one of my oh, first shit coaches. Scared of Dosser. Mate, he, he is a How proper hard? Leicester man. Mate, yeah. very hard. Hell of a bush as well, but very hard. <laughs> uh, he's old school, isn't he? Of course he is. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think the same as Goody. They, I mean, what? I mean, what? What about what? season? I mean, what can you say really? They lost like, ten games at home in all competitions this fin- year. Yeah, they finished second from bottom. I mean, you know, it's just unheard of. They, they can't wait to see the back of it. And, and again, we've spoken about before, did some filming for the Academy this season. It was on Rugby Pass, and we showed the last episode of the weekend, and they, and they beat Gloucester in the final. Uh, if you, so you talk about young lads actually coming through, they've got some worldy players coming through the system. So if they can manage that and get a bit of stability, then I'm sure they'll be back, and maybe not being in the Champions Cup next season will be a good thing for, for them. You know, 19 players leaving. That's a huge amount. Uh, uh, you know, But that, that's the sign of, we've t- spoken about it here a lot, that's the sign that their recruitment has been poor over the last three or four years. When you've got 19 players leaving, you know you've not been recruiting well. Um, you know, you look at the top clubs, and again, the good thing for Leicester is the academy's strong, and every team that's won the Premiership over the last how many years has had a massive nucleus of players that have come through the academy. Look at Saracens now, look at Exeter. Um, these teams are, play, are, are, are filled with players that it means a lot to play for that club and um you know the future is bright for Leicester in terms of that setup how long until you know those youngsters come through and break their way into the first team proper um is another thing and you know i think it could be a bit of pain for Leicester again next year and should we look ahead to the Guinness Pro 14 final? We've got Leinster and Glasgow in the final what are you guys sort of made of that well i'm there i'm there in oh, yeah. glasgow yeah Glasgow smoked also, didn't they? Put 50 points on them. 50 uh, at the weekend. Uh, Glasgow, good team. Obviously, Leinster are as well. Uh, Leinster made a few changes for that. You know, Sexton was on the bench. Interesting uh, call, that, Yeah, but Leo Cullen made a good point before. He said that Bernard played the majority of the Pro 14 games. Yeah. And yeah. it was a ballsy call, to be fair. Uh, it was going to be difficult for Leinster to back up the emotional energy they needed with your kind of frontline players, I suppose, if you want to call, obviously, Sexton, Fardy. There was a couple more as well. But Sexton's only started one Pro 14 game, Guinness Pro 14 game, since September. There you I go. mean, ridiculous. And that's, well, that's why Byrne started. And yeah. fair play to Leo Cullen for, for giving him that opportunity to play in the semi-final. I think that that's important for the culture. Um, similar kind of thing, two best teams in the Pro 14, probably consistently this year. And how good is it for Glasgow? Glasgow. That their final is in Glasgow. How do you guys see the actual final panning out? Well, I'm going to be pitch side and I have to stay neutral. Said last year I was a massive Leinster fan. Of course, naturally, I'm a Glasgow fan as well. Well, you're not. You're always Edinburgh. Hashtag always. Yeah. You know what? I think Glasgow are going to win. I I do. I think Leinster have had some big, big games in the lead up, uh, emotionally charged in the the Champions Cup final that they lost. How full is their well? That's the question, Goody. The Leinster well, how full is it? How full is the well? We don't know. And you look at Glasgow. In Glasgow, I know it's a slightly different stadium because they've been at Scotstoun. They've only lost to Saracens and Edinburgh this year at home. So it's a tough place to go and play. Um, I know Glasgow beat Leinster over at the RDS a few weeks ago. It was obviously going to be a slightly different Leinster team. I just think momentum is key. And Glasgow have got slightly more momentum. They've got a few emotional farewells. Stuart Hogg being the the big one. It's going to be a good game, though. That's all I know. Big Devon Toner out injured. Yeah. Um, could be a huge loss for Leinster. Your, your mate. Bad. Hopefully he's pitched over you. You can have a scrappy-dappy-do. Well, I don't think he'll be pitched hard with me. I think his knee looked quite bad. Yeah, Hopefully he'll be back for the World Cup for him. If you were analysing Glasgow and saying why they could win this game, where would you start? Stuart Hogg. There you go. There's one. 
I'd say the way that Hastings is playing as well and his his, his attacking ability that they've got. My my only thing on that Hastings, I love the way Hastings plays. Hastings against Sexton, you know, game controller against someone that you know Leinster will put a massive amount of pressure on him. So yeah, when front football, he's brilliant. Hastings and can create a lot of stuff out of nothing. But yeah, it's really it's a tough on score actually. It's it's the excitement of Glasgow and their attacking game um, coming up against a you know a, a very intelligent. Very well drilled, decent attacking unit themselves in Leinster with bags and bags and bags of international experience and a bit of hurt from losing the Champions Cup final, knowing that it was actually they had opportunities to win that game. I, I, real tough one to call. Jim's going Glasgow, I'm going Leinster then. Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. If you're enjoying the pod and are interested in helping us out and getting access to even more great rugby content, don't forget to check out our super fan subscription service. Here's a clip of one of our latest features to give you a taste of what's on offer. Hello and welcome along to the latest episode of the Rugby Pod Sessions and I'm joined today by Wasp Sly Half and a man who's played 16 times for the All Blacks. It seems more than that. See, I thought you played more than that. Yeah, I think officially 16 tests but um, there's a lot of tests there where I watch from the stands (laughs) and and, um, ate lollies uh, (laughs) instead of uh, actually playing. But yeah, it was cool. It was an awesome time in my life. Uh, And now it's Lima Sopawanga if you hadn't already guessed. Um, you're over here, you're playing for Wasps. How hard has it been coming straight off a Super Rugby season into playing over here, not only like physically on the body, but also like it's a different style of play as well, isn't it? How hard's the whole sort of package, the move been for you? Yeah, I think I was probably a little bit naive um, when I when I made the move over. I kind of just thought, you know what, I'm going to go over there, um, I'm going to play rugby, and, you know, what's the difference? It's played on the same length and the same with the field that I play on at Forsyth Bar. It's still two posts. you still got to kick the rugby ball through the goal. The white lines are still the same. Like, how can it be any different? And, um, you know, like, I, for me, I, I think if I had my time again, I would switch my mindset and, and really understand that life is going to be different and the rugby is going to be different and the way, you know, they think about rugby and do things over here is different and it's not wrong or right. It's just, you know, something I'm not quite used to yet and um, the competition is definitely, I think it's a lot harder just because you play so many games and so many different comps, you know, like you're in Europe, you're in the Prem, there's, you know, A-League, there's, uh, I don't know what the other cup's called, I call it the Mickey Mouse Cup. <laughs> um, you know, they just have these cups just for the sake of it yeah. Um, over here. But yeah, so it, it's been a real eye-opener yeah. learning um, about the game. And, you know, I think a lot of the the boys over here are a lot bigger and, you know, there's a lot of gym and conditioning kind of going on. And, you know, I've seen some academy boys who, who lift some tin that probably lift more than guys who have been playing Super Rugby for the last five years. Yeah, it is a culture culture shift in terms of the rugby, but, um, yeah, I think, you know, next year I'll be better for this experience. What sort of things do you think, like, you could have done differently before you came over here? Is there anything that you could have actually done as a preparation side of it? I don't think preparation side. I think just my mindset. I just thought, you know what, right. I'm just going to come over here and just do my thing and it'll be all rosy, you know. Like, how is it any different? Um, you know, I'm playing rugby on in England and it's not in Dunedin. Like, it's the same shit, you know what I mean? Yeah. But at the end of the day, uh, it, it really isn't because you're playing with different players who, who, one, don't know you and you don't know them. So you don't know how they like to play. And, you know, like, in the middle of winter, it's like grey, dark, cold, depressing. Like I've never been in a place like it. Like Dunedin's like that in the winter. Not when it you're playing under a roof. Not when you're playing <laughs> under a roof. True. It's like summer every weekend. And so like I was just like, 
totally blown away. You know, I'd go to work in the dark, come home in the dark, and during the day it'd just be grey. Yeah, I, I actually thought for one, you know, for a second there, I was like, man, have I have I made the right choice to come over? It, it, it was quite tough mentally to kind of get over that, but... Yeah, we're through it now. And was there ever a stage where you thought you might just want to pack up and go home or you, that you could just pack up and go home? I think the hardest part was probably seeing um, my partner so unhappy. You know, obviously it's easy for me because automatically I get friends straight away, you know, like mm. going to a rugby team and, you know, we kind of know each other anyway, you know, social media and everything like that. And, you know, Nathan Hughes was a, a big support. Him and his family have been pretty amazing. So I already knew that coming over and then obviously knew Brad Shields and his wife Lou and and things like that. But, you know, for my partner, she, she all she knew was me and my daughter and she had never been further than Australia. You know, it was a massive culture, um, culture shock for her and um, to see her, you know, really struggle at the start was, was pretty hard. And, you know, I, I, I commend her for, you know, being the backbone of our family and, and being able to push through it. And I guess that's why we go to places like Berlin and, yeah, yeah. and Dubai and I try to cheer her up and make sure that she stays because if it ever gets to a point where she decides, you know what, I, you know, I can't do it anymore, yeah. I need to go home, then, you know, I'll, I'll pack my bags as well because yeah. uh, for me, my, my family comes first. And you can listen to the full episode of that along with loads of other great content, all for less than the price of a pint a month. So head over to patreon.com forward slash the rugby pod to check it out. Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Don't forget you can catch all the action from the Premiership, Pro 14 and other major tournaments on rugbypass.com if you're in Asia and wherever you are in the world, you can watch the video version of this pod on there as well. The Premiership Player of the Season, lads, who, do you, who are you picking for that? Oh, well, Alex Goode's been pretty good, hasn't he? Danny Cipriani, Kobus Reinach. What are you thinking, Jim? For me, you've got to look at where the teams are. Alex Gu clearly has been fantastic and he's taken the accolades that by getting European Player of the Year and legendary status off it for the full kit wanker that we saw. Um, is he out of his kit yet, do you reckon? I, I, think, I think he's still got the beer fair. He might be all right now. <laughs> he might be all right. But um, Cipriani, look at Gloucester or Reinach because of how well he's been at Northampton. He's been a standout player for them, but... In terms of lighting up the Prem week in, week out, you know, and you have to go with a player that supporters talk about a lot and Cipriani is on the tip of everyone's tongue. So I'd be surprised if he, he didn't get it. But for me, for the context of the season, you know, I know Kovacic is there and he's been brilliant under the radar. But, you know, what Northampton and Gloucester have both done respectively and how well they've played and some of the tries that they've scored, it's got to go to one of them too, I think. It's interesting, that I think I tweeted it. Three English qualified players on that list. Eddie Jones won't pick any of them. Alex Goode, Danny Cipriani and Matt Kvesic. Um I'm, I'm going to go Sips. Uh, yeah, I think he's been a revelation at Gloucester. I think you know, Gloucester will count their lucky stars how everything happened last year uh, for Cipriani. You know, obviously, with the contract negotiations, how it all panned out. If you're looking at Cipriani now, if he's out of contract now and Eddie Jones, he's playing his best rugby, they ain't picking him. He's going off to a club in France for big Euros. He was at Wasps last year. Wasps didn't want to be left hanging at the end of the season to find out whether he was going to get picked for England and stay in England because that's what they said to him. They said, you know, what are your plans? He went, I want to find out whether I'm going to get an opportunity with England, otherwise I'm going to look abroad. Wasps went, I'm not, we can't wait to see towards the end of the season whether you're going to get picked for England and then whether you want to stay because we need to know we've got a first choice 10. So they went out and signed Sopawanga. Gloucester picked Cipriani up at the, at the death of the season, didn't they? Right at the end when Eddie Jones has picked him for the South Africa tour, you know, obviously Gloucester are like, well, we need a statement sign and we need a 10 sips, you're perfect. 
and he's 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 fully justified paying them what they're paying him, and he's been brilliant all year. So uh, <laughs> the bizarre thing is Eddie Eddie won't pick him. Um, so we'll we'll see um, we'll see what happens when Big Eddie picks his World Cup training squad. But for me. Player of the season, Cipriani, Alex Goode and Matt Kovacic should be in uh, the England World Cup training squad. Well, you mentioned that Eddie Jones won't pick him. Matt Batty has tweeted in, in light of the non-selection of Alex Goode and Danny Cipriani, who are the best players you have played with that barely ever played internationally? Scott Brits. Oh yeah, that's a hell of a shout. Hell of a player. Hell of a bloke. Um, just He is the most naturally gifted player I've ever seen and ever played alongside or touched or seen play. Uh, Danny Bush? Proper Bush, South African, mate. Uh, James Simpson Daniel as well. He was another one. Like them two for me, the the best players I've ever, ever played with or against. Omar asks, what's the worst rig out of... Hang on, who? Omar. What a name. Omar. Who's got the worst rig out of Mako Vunapola, Jamie George and Goody? Mako. Without a shadow of a doubt, Goody and, and Jamie are very similar. They're. I barrels. feel like that's a compliment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jamie George is an international rugby player. So. Well, I'm, I'm looking at all three. I don't know if it's a compliment. Um, yeah, Mako, absolutely hanging. I mean, Tally's earlobes that as well. <laughs> absolutely beautiful. Hell of a player, mind. Matt Rowe has tweeted in, and he needs some advice from Jim. His wife has just given birth to their second daughter, and he wants to know how best to avoid spending time at home. Just tonight, says. <laughs> deny it is <laughs> just get out and work and if you're not working tell the missus you're working um, and pretend that you're out working I haven't seen my kids in about eight days I think and you are loving life <laughs> aren't you? I'm not I'm how not. happy is he yeah I'm like, not sometimes he comes in here he's like mate do you remember the other week when his missus went away for four days and he was raging when Who he goes away out? for four days for a 30th or a sister's 30th for four days who does that it's like a stag anyway. deal it's like a stag deal isn't it hey, what, what do you know what happened <laughs> I don't know Let's take a look at the rumours. You guys got any rumours floating around the, out there? Well, the interesting one that Goody, I know, that Andy Rowe, the smelly fish brought to the table, Quade Cooper to Quinns. So that's an interesting one. Would he suit Harlequins? Is that good for the young I don't Marcus like Smith? It. I don't like it. Yeah, I don't like it either. I've said it. And the reason I don't like it is because I think Marcus Smith has had a very good second season. And Lang's a good player. Lang's a backup. And, and I just think you sign someone like Quade Cooper on... He's going to be half a million quid, isn't he? You've got to play him, which holds back Marcus Smith. And I think Marcus Smith, from his leap from last year to this year, last year as an 18-year-old playing the Premiership and doing some really good things, and people were like, geez, he's only 18. How good is he going to be? This year, he looks a proper rugby player. You forget he's now 19. He's like, Marcus Smith's a proper threat for Quinn's. Really good player, attacks the line, runs the game well beyond his years. Um, I don't like that signing for Quinn's if it is going to happen. You know, I think if they are going to look for a someone to go up against Marcus Smith, they need you know someone that's not going to cost them half a mil and without the baggage of. Although I do like watching Quade Cooper play, I think you're holding back an English talent there, and uh, may have signed someone that will be a very good backup to Marcus Smith to learn off. I don't know if he's like a Brock James. But I don't know if he'd suit the Prem though. You think about Quade Cooper when he played for Toulon, he was bang average. I mean, I watched him. Toulon came to Wasps, and he didn't want to be on that field. I mean, I know it's Cov on a Sunday. Five o'clock kickoff. He wasn't happy at all. Didn't want to tackle. Didn't well, want to do mate, anything. Of course, he knows the pub's going to be closed by nine. <laughs> mate, he's raging. Um, I'd prefer if Quinn Quinn's because they have been rumoured to sign Brock James, who I think would be a very good backup to Marcus Smith. He's older. He's very intelligent as a rugby player, um, and he's not going to challenge him front line necessarily for a long period of time. Whereas Craig Cooper's coming over on a minimum two year deal. 
So you're perhaps stunting the growth and game time of Marcus Smith for two years. Any other rumours around there? Ron O'Gara. Yeah. Leaving the Crusaders. Possibly to go to La Rochelle. I heard that. Back to France. That's a weird one, isn't it? Yeah, that's what I spoke about that on my Don't Mess With Jim. Because there's obviously all the rumours of, uh, well, not the rumours, all the facts that the Munster coaching ticket, they're all off-ski, aren't they? Well, well, Flannery's been confirmed. And uh, is it Felix Jones? Yeah. And Felix Jones uh, is leaving as well. Apparently Flannery's, I heard he was going to go to London Irish, and then I've now heard that he's quitting coaching. Oh, really? Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it's, for for Ogar, it's interesting having coached at Racing. You know, Racing are now talking about getting Rory Teague. Rory Teague. Um, so for him to go to uh, La Rochelle Bizarre. on a three-year deal under under John O'Gibbs. Yeah, I mean, Ogar, I've got no doubt, is plotting his way around the world, getting as much coaching experience as possible, um, and doing a bloody good job while he's at it. He did well at Racing. He's obviously done well. At Crusaders, I mean, you ain't learning from a better environment than the Crusaders, are you? Well, Deeks was over there, my mate, um, the cone picker up at Leicester, and he <laughs> said he said that Scotty Robertson is a fantastic coach. He said yeah. he's amazing. The energy, the rapport he's got with his players, yeah. he said it was utter class when he went out there. Is that it? No yeah, that's it, that's it. Okay, that's cool. It. All right, the good, the bad, and the ugly is brought to you this week by Budgie Smuggler UK. They've opened up a pop-up store in London at Box Park Shoreditch, and it's open every day into the end of July. So get yourself along to that. Uh, they have the spiciest of men's and women's designs, as well as some exclusive store only peers and follow them on Instagram at Budgie Smuggler UK to find out more information on their in-store board short buyback scheme which starts later this month where you can trade your board shorts in for an in-store discount and rid yourself of the curtains of shame. Hell yeah. Get on the budgies. Yeah, I'm going to get some budgies on. Summer's coming, mate. Yeah. Uh, Good. Plenty of good again as ever this week uh, across the rugby world. We'll start with Bath, shall we? Um, they haven't featured in the Goo too much this year, uh, but their last-minute win at the Tigers, a ground with history between Bath and Leicester. Uh, used to be big rivals. But their last-minute win and Reese Priestland's conversion gives them Champions Cup rugby. They hoovered them up. Yeah, Dyson yeah. La- yeah. the life out yeah. of them. Nice, Jim. Uh, what else is good? Let's go over to the Guinness Pro 14. Glasgow Warriors smashing Ulster. Uh, in the semi-final, 50 points to 20. And Leinster bouncing back from the disappointment of losing the Champions Cup final, uh, winning their semi-final. So that's going to be some ding-dong in the final next week. What else was good? Uh, some worldy tries in the Premiership this weekend. Joe Simpson's under the sticks for Wasps. Pretty outstanding. Uh, and his finish to his Wasps career. Big shout-out to him. Two tries on his final game at the Rico Arena. Uh, Denny Solomona's finish. Uh, deserves a special mention. Hell of a try by Sale uh, and a ludicrous finish by him. That was pretty good. Talking to Solomona, uh, shout out to him and Kobus Reinach uh, for topping the Premiership try scoring charts this season with 12 tries apiece. Uh, but the good this week goes to a friend of the show and someone who is retiring and is now retired. Darren Cave, captain of the Shags, uh, equaled Andrew Trimble's Ulster appearance record in his final game for the club. I know it wasn't a win, but KV gets the good this week for equaling Andrew Trimble's Ulster appearance record. Nice, Scooty. Uh, bad. Uh, a couple of bad things. Devon Toner suffering a serious-looking knee injury in Leinster's game with Munster in the Guinness Pro 14 semi-final at the weekend. I hope he's OK for the World Cup. Um, Quinns losing six of their last seven Premiership games to miss out on the playoffs. Uh, that's pretty bad. Munster losing yet another semi-final. Mako Napola, pretty bad that is. Being out for three months pre-World Cup. 
not sure it's the last injury that we're going to see between now and then that could have an impact on the World Cup, but we wish him well. That's bad news. He's having surgery. But the bad this week has to go to our old club, Leicester Tigers. And I hate doing it, but they lost their 10th game in all competitions at home this weekend to Bath. They finished 11th, I repeat. They finished 11th in the Gallagher Premiership. Uh, a horrible season ended with another loss at home to their old rivals, Bath. So the bad this week, unfortunately, has to go to Leicester Tigers. And then the ugly. There's two bits of ugly for me. Firstly, Tolu Latu uh, was found slumped at the wheel of his car, who'd been booted out of the Australian squad, absolutely steaming. Um, didn't tell Australian Rugby Union, didn't tell uh, New South Wales Waratahs bosses either. Um, it all came out in the newspaper, apparently. So that's not pretty. Oh God, just what they need. So that's pretty ugly, especially with what else is going on in Australia at the minute. But the ugly this week goes to, we talk them up a bit, the Crusaders players. A group of them have been accused of homophobic behaviour towards people in McDonald's in Cape Town uh, after a night out. So um, firstly, it shouldn't be a McDonald's boys. That ain't good. And secondly, it's very ugly to be homophobic. So the ugly this week goes to the... Crusaders players who have allegedly been accused of homophobic behaviour and been in McDonald's. Shouldn't do it, boys. Leave the McDonald's to me. Thanks, Goody. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Producer Tim. And thank you as well for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, follow us on Twitter, review us on iTunes, and check out our Superfans monthly subscription service at patreon.com forward slash the rugby pod. Rugby pod. Pod, pod, pod. pod.